Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Hey guys, this is Darren, the producer of Perpetual Traffic. And as always, this episode is brought to you by Digital Marketer. Digital Marketer combines the largest community of marketing pros on planet Earth with the best marketing training there is. And our goal is to double the size of 10,000 businesses by 2020. So whether you're an entrepreneur, an agency that helps others cultivate an online presence, or a member of a marketing team wanting to advance your skill set, we are here to help. Now, when you join our lab, you're going to really escalate your network to a whole new level. You're going to maximize your areas of expertise, and you're going to get equipped with the tools that you need to stay ahead of the curve in this fast-changing industry. So go to digitalmarketer.com. All right, back to you, Ralph. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to episode 173 of the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is Ralph Burns alongside, virtually that is, my awesome partner, Molly Pittman. Molly, how you doing? Hello, Ralph. Doing great. Happy to be here. How are you? I'm great. It's been a while since we've just recorded on our own, just me and you solo. I know. It's, it's nice. I'm excited to drop some knowledge today. Yeah, yeah. We got some pretty cool stuff. We've been doing a lot of traveling the last couple of weeks to all kinds of places. Of course, Molly, you're just like a global vagabond at this point. <laughs> My home is the world. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I know. I've been home for two weeks now and I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to relax. <laughs> it's good to go away. It's always good to come back. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, I always have to apologize to my wife whenever I come home because they always make sure, like, the cleaning people come and, like, clean the house before 
I arrive because they know that I've been living in housekeeping, clean hotel rooms for a couple of weeks, <laughs> yeah. certain standards. So it doesn't quite live up to hotel standards, but you know, she did actually a really good job. So the cleaning ladies came out on Friday and Saturday. It was pretty clean in here. So now it's back to being messy. Anyway, that's sort of the transition from the road life back to the home life. But one of the cool places that I went in that long road trip was the Facebook Global Partner Summit. Ooh. Yeah. In Where was New York that? City. In New York City. New York. All yep. right. Yep. So myself and our VP of Ops, Deacon, went there and checked it out for a couple of days. We've been invited the last few years, and we just haven't been able to get there. It was an interesting summit because it was mostly agencies, a lot of agencies. I guess in the past, it's been mostly developers. So as a high-volume agency with a partner manager, we were invited, and they had a lot of good presentations. What I found really interesting is that the overall sort of theme of the meeting was for agencies to work together. <laughs> Apparently, at the New York big six sort of agencies, there's so many agencies that tend to work together. Sometimes they don't really coalesce and have the customer's best interests in mind. So the big theme was for people to collaborate. And for us, it was actually really cool. We met a lot of other creative agencies. We met some video agencies. We met some optimization agencies. We met some tech agencies. And I think Facebook is really making a concerted effort to not only bring that group together, but also showcase agencies and consultancies for specific things that they do, specific specialties that they do, and then promoting it on Facebook and Facebook business, which is pretty cool. That's so cool you got to go there, Ralph. Moving on up. <laughs> and you yeah. know what's cool and what I really love about the digital marketing industry is I think because this stuff changes so quickly and because courses are a thing in our market, right? Like learning from one another, people tend to be very generous with their information, right? Mm -hmm. And generous with one another. And that's what I really love about this industry. And it's funny when you step out or you go to more corporate agencies, there are a lot of great people, but there's just so much competition to get the customer. Mm -hmm. You know, it seems to become less about the customer, like you said. So it seems like Facebook's trying to play mediator. <laughs> because yeah. if everyone works together better, then their platform's going to function better. But it definitely makes a lot of sense. So co-create was sort of the theme of the meeting. So us co-creating together, we were sort of joking that it was like, can't just everybody get along kind of thing. But that, I think that was, <laughs> but all kidding aside, there was a ton of really great content. And because we're a part of this partner manager program, which we've talked about here on the show many times, we get lots of pieces of information from our partner manager, Sarah, on new things that are coming. We get invited to beta programs, which we're really excited about. We're just invited to a few more this past week, but also she tends to give us a lot of interesting insights as to how to use a lot of the new tools inside Facebook. And typically what we'll do is we will always take her recommendation and go out and test it, you know, on a massive scale as much as we possibly can with, you know, millions of dollars in ad spend each month. We have the ability to be able to do that, but also we got to keep our customers' interests in mind. So we actually have a list here of a number of different practices for us to optimize our campaigns and optimize specifically your Facebook auction strategy. Like what do you do when kind of things 
aren't going so well. We've gone through that many times here on the show, but this is sort of best practices to bring us back to the basics a bit. And don't ever forget these. And these are things that still come up to this day to even more seasoned marketers. Molly, you were talking right before the show that you're actually doing a course right now, training my traffic person. And some of these things are coming up now, even for people who have been running ads for years and years, correct? Definitely. So I think these are things that you can always revisit. And they're not just topics that you need to revisit. They're also topics that change, right? As Facebook changes, you know, you got to keep testing this stuff and making sure you're current and up to date on best practice. Yeah. So like I said, we always take what Facebook recommends because we want to try and be on the cutting edge, testing new strategies, new tools that they bring out, new placements as they bring them out. But also you have to sort of marry that with, well, we're a performance-based agency. So if some of these tools don't work, or don't work as well as they're predicted to work, then that's where this podcast comes in real handy for you as a Facebook marketer, because you're seeing all these new features coming out. Like, which ones do I actually use? Do I use all of them? Do I use some of them? Well, the default is to try them all out as much as you can, but we tend to try them out at scale. And then hopefully here we can give you some insights as to what we found things that you should do, things that you shouldn't do, and things that you should test further. And also, you know, keep in mind that Facebook's always trying to roll out features that benefit us, right? The advertisers and the end user. But, you know, they're not the ones running and buying ads every day, right? So it's our job as advertisers to take the information that they give us, but also test for ourselves, right? So it's not that Facebook's wrong. Facebook's goal is to educate us as advertisers advertisers, but, you know, make sure that you're also testing for yourself, right? And you don't completely switch from an old best practice to a new feature just because you saw it in your ads manager, right? You want to make sure that that switch isn't going to affect the performance of whatever you're doing. Yeah, most definitely. So before we get into these 10 Facebook best practices to optimize your auction strategy, I know, Molly, you had an update that you wanted to talk about with regard to the Facebook Pixel. Yes. So I've been getting a lot of questions about the email that most of us advertisers received in early October in regards to Facebook changing from a third-party pixel to a first-party pixel. So I wanted to make sure that we took a second to explain what was going on here on Perpetual Traffic so that you guys stayed informed. So first off, uh, no one panic. This is actually a really, really good thing for us as digital marketers and Facebook advertisers. So first, I'm going to tell you what the update was, right? What was Facebook's announcements? And then I will tell you exactly how this is going to affect us as advertisers. So on October 5th, Facebook sent an email that says, on October 24th, Facebook will begin offering businesses a first-party cookie option with the Facebook Pixel. This change is in line with updates made by other online platforms as use of first-party cookies for ads and site analytics is becoming the preferred approach by some browsers. So basically what's happening is the internet's changing. 
and browsers like Safari and recently Firefox are going to start blocking third-party cookies from their browser. So what that means is that if you have the current Facebook pixel, the third-party Facebook pixel on your website um, and someone is using a browser or using an ad blocker, they visit your website, you're not able to pixel them, cookie their browser um, in, in order order to retarget them and build your website custom audiences because that snippet of code that you've put on your website is now being blocked by those other tools. So because of this, companies like Google and Microsoft have gone to something which is called a first party cookie option. And Facebook is simply following the lead from Google and Microsoft. Now, this first party option is going to allow us to do the tracking and the retargeting um, that we've always loved to do and that we want to continue to do. And the reason for this is because the first party cookie, when analyzed by these other tools, looks like it was created by the website itself. So they wouldn't want to block these first party cookies from any websites because if they did, they could essentially break the website, right? And the ability for the website to actually function, which is the opposite of what these browsers are wanting to do. So Facebook switching to this first party cookie, this is going to allow us to continue to do the remarketing and to do the site tracking that we've wanted to do because it's all being kept now within the Facebook ecosystem. Um, so this is going to function very similar to how Google Analytics functions, which I think is a good move. I think Facebook is trying to position their pixel as as strong of a tracking device as other platforms like Google. And I also think that Facebook's doing this out of their own best interest and the advertiser's best interest to make sure that we can still do the retargeting that we need to do throughout the customer journey. So what should you do? So this goes into effect on October 24th. And in every ad account under Pixel, the, the Pixel tab inside of Business Manager, you're going to be able to choose between third-party and first-party Pixel. The only reason you should stay with the third-party pixel is if your business collects sensitive information. So um, if you're a hospital or a bank, that's the only reason that you wouldn't want to switch to first-party. Otherwise, everyone should definitely switch to first party. That is going to be the default come October 24th. There's no action that needs to be taken inside of your account that I'm aware of, uh, which is great. If so, just look out from uh, for an email from Facebook. But otherwise, this is great news. Facebook's uh, staying up to date. They're switching over to this first party cookie uh, because it's best for the entire advertising ecosystem. Cool. Super helpful information there, Molly. And something to keep in mind as the platform continues to evolve. They're always trying to make things simpler and also help us with attribution back to which click, which ad, which video 
produced the conversion or produced the results that you're looking for in your campaign. So pretty important update there for everyone listening to this show. So let's get right into these 10 best practices to optimize your auction strategy. That's a big lead in, but basically 10 best practices to make your campaigns work better. Right, Molly? Isn't that pretty much what we're talking about here? Exactly. And this was information that you got from Facebook, just to reiterate that. So we're going to kind of go through it, explain it, give our insights to it. Yeah. And the pros and cons of each, because we've tested pretty much all of these strategies here and some still to be determined, some we advocate and some we don't advocate. Why don't we get right into the first one here? So this is a kind of basic one. Number one is as you increase your budget, return on investment or return on ad spend can go down. Molly Pittman. It sure can. <laughs> yes. And does Dang. almost every time. <laughs> so th the reason behind that is that when your budget is increased, you have all these new impressions. And typically, if you have an audience of a million, for example, a potential reach of a million, when you first start that campaign at, let's say, $100 a day, Facebook's going to go out and find the lowest cost conversions if you have it set on lowest cost. So as you increase your budget, Facebook is now going out to a wider and wider audience. Now, Facebook has already picked out the most cost-effective conversions in your first run before you actually increased your budget. So let's say you go from $100 a day to, I'm going to go like Molly Pittman aggressive to like $400 or $500 a day. You know, your next three to four to five to seven days are probably going to be higher conversions, cost per conversion. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, you're going to see an immediate spike. Yeah. And sometimes it never comes back, it, depending on how aggressive you go with your budget scaling. And Ralph, really quick, that's why you want to make sure that you're only aggressively scaling those ad sets that are the best performers, right? Your low cost, your green light, the ones that are in the green, because you know that by increasing the budget, that cost per acquisition or cost per lead or whatever your metric is, it is going to increase. It's just the nature of the platform. It's the nature of media buying. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot. Obviously, there's ad sets that start off in green or within your CPA, within your ROAS goal, whatever it happens to be. And then there's ones that are sort of borderline and the ones that are red. And these are not the ones to increase your budget on are probably not your yellows and reds. There's a lot you can do on the yellows, but on the greens, especially, you do want to increase your budget. So the Molly Pittman rule of thumb for increasing budget on a daily basis or a couple of days basis, what are you doing these days? Normally, I increase by about 50% every three days if I'm wanting to be a bit more aggressive. Sometimes if it's an evergreen campaign... It's something that I want to run as long as I can, you know, as long as the CPA is still appropriate. I might not scale it for seven to 14 days sometimes if it's something more evergreen because I really want Facebook to have time to optimize, right? And if I keep giving them more money before they have a chance to get my CPA to the place that I want it to be, you can just raise your costs really quickly. Yeah. And in some of those campaigns that start off green, they might end up becoming red. Even when you give it plenty of time, so to speak, I mean, even if it's three to four to seven days to optimize back down to your original 
cost per acquisition, cost per lead. Sometimes it might never get there. So that's why you have to keep an eye on these things. 50% every three to four days is more on the aggressive side. We tend to go a little bit less, maybe 20%. Some cases we'll do a 10% increase every day with a one-day look-back period. We might even set up a rule to do that as well. So Facebook has to swallow, has to sort of absorb this increased budget as it goes to a wider and wider audience. And you might not find your conversions quite as cost-effective as we originally started. So probably a longer explanation, but one here that's super important you know, you can't just be spending $1,000 a month and getting a low CPA. If you're spending $100,000 a month, chances are your CPA is going to be higher. So you have to figure out a way in your business to monetize that and be able to pay more for a lead or more for a sale. And that comes back to more of a business question. So number two, they say here, recommendation is match your optimization goal as close as possible to your business goal. So we've talked a lot about this with campaign objective, but how would you answer this one? How do you do your optimization goal as close to your business goal as you possibly can? Yeah, Ralph, I would definitely reference people back to episodes 167 and 168. We really covered the different campaign objectives in those episodes and when to use them for what type of business, you know, for what type of offer, because this is a huge mistake that I see people make. They have these certain expectations or these certain goals for their campaign, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But then what they set up inside of Facebook, what they tell Facebook what they want doesn't match, right? And therefore, they're not going to get the clicks they want or they're not going to get the conversions that they want. So this one sounds like common sense, but there are a lot of enticing buttons to click on inside of Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, for example, if you have video as a creative, it can be really enticing to click video views as your objective, right? But if you're trying to generate leads or you want clicks to your website, that's probably not the best objective to choose. So this is just something that I always encourage you to think about and to really plan right? A lot of this goes into planning your campaigns and not just, oh my gosh, I need to sell more of my product. I'm going to open up ads manager and launch a campaign in an hour just to get something out the door. I don't think that media buying or setting up a Facebook campaign can really be (laughs) half-assed in that way, you know, or it won't work. There is planning that goes into this, research that goes into this. And a lot of that goes back to making sure that your campaign is structured in a way that really matches the goals you're trying to achieve. Yeah, for sure. So really any question, we get pretty heavily into this in episode 167 and 168. So definitely go back to those episodes and check them out. We go through every single campaign objective that there is, which is a lot, which is the reason why it's two episodes. It so, was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. And you know, someone that we use more than others, but the point is, is that you definitely have to match the objective to what your business goal is. So we certainly agree with Facebook on that one. So number three is it takes about 50 conversions for our system to predict better conversions or better predict conversions. So talked about this one a lot too. One of the things that they did say at Facebook Global Partner Summit is get about 50 conversions for us to learn and then another 50 for us to 
take advantage of that learning. So saying that maybe now it's between 50 to 100 conversions per week, but still, by and large, it was actually somebody from the, the algorithm team there who said that, you know, the more conversions, the better. We obviously, we do know that. And you've actually seen this in some of the trainings that you've done recently, that people maybe in a seven-day period aren't getting 50 conversions, and then their ad set budgets start to sort of don't get impressions. They just sort of die off, whittle away. Yeah. In the course that I'm teaching right now, Train My Traffic Person, which if you are interested in being in the next class, go to trainmytrafficperson.com. There's a wait list, which is pretty exciting. But in this class, we just launched our ads. So we've been building a campaign together through the class. And a few students who chose the conversion objective, they're noticing that after a week, because their budget isn't very high, their campaign is starting to trail off, right? They're just not getting impressions anymore. After a week, it just pretty much quit working. And the reason for that is that Facebook doesn't have those 50 conversions needed to keep optimizing the campaign. And so this has been a topic that we've discussed in depth and sort of what should you do, right? And one of my students said, well, Molly, I'm getting the CPA that I want, but I just can't spend anymore because of budget reasons, which I totally understand. If that is your situation, I just recommend moving what you're optimizing for a step back in the funnel. So maybe, you know, add to cart would be a good way to get over 50 conversions or spend more money if you can, right? If you're getting the CPA you want, hopefully you can justify to your boss or whomever that more money should be spent so that you can get 50, 100 conversions a week to continue to optimize. Yeah, super good point there. And a nice lead in to number four too, Molly. If you can't get 100 conversions, Facebook says, think about moving your optimization goal up funnel, which is in layman's terms, if you're optimizing for a purchase, well, the one that's up funnel from that could be initiate checkout, but typically it's add to cart, like you said. So you've made that recommendation to some of your students with some pretty good success from what it sounds like. Right. And just telling them what their options are because their campaign is working. It just can't run at scale because Facebook doesn't have enough budget to spend to get those 50 conversions, right? So your options are kind of spend more money. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I guess you could reset up this campaign every week, but I'm not sure how scalable that is. Or you can optimize for a step back in the funnel to get the amount of conversions that you need. Yeah, we've had mixed success with this one. So this is one of those ones that Facebook, their first default answer. And I actually spoke with the woman who did this presentation. She was really good. And I said, you know, she suggested everything to why it wasn't working for us in a specific case. And one of her first answers was, well, just move it up funnel. And I said, well, that's great. But what we found is that oftentimes when we do optimize for add to cart, we get a lot of people that just like to add stuff to cart which believe it or not, there's people out there. So think about it. Like the way that I shop on Amazon, it's very strange. I add stuff to my cart and I might not buy it right now, but I want to remember it. 
I suppose I could add it to my wish list. You or just want to see retargeting ads, Ralph. I just want to see retargeting <laughs> ads. See what those level four retargeting ads really look like for some of those retailers. Um, and then I can go back to Amazon. I can buy it later, or I, I want to buy a couple of things together, whatever it is. So apparently there is that behavior, and we've seen it agency-wide for people who just add stuff to cart but don't buy. So be really careful on this one. If you are not getting those 100 conversions, I mean, ideally, you know, episode 167, 168 says, if whatever objective you want, optimize for that objective. And if you want purchasers and you want them at a certain cost per acquisition, you're going to need probably more budget. If you're not getting enough during the week, let's say the metric that we use is set your daily budget for your campaign about seven to 10 times what your CPA goal is. So for example, if you're selling something on Facebook and your average cost per acquisition is let's say $10, set your budget to be between 70 and $100, if not maybe a little bit more to account for perhaps an increase in CPA. You might get $10, you might get $12, you might get $8. But the point is, is that if you're getting seven to 10 conversions per day, multiply that by seven, lo and behold, that's about 50 conversions per week. So do the math backwards. If you can't spend that kind of budget, then consider moving your goal up funnel. Like I said, we've had varying degrees of success to it. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, but it's definitely something to test and take into account what Facebook recommends versus what you see in actual data inside your ad account. Bam. So number five is avoid over-narrowing your audience. So Molly, what does this one mean? Yeah. So Facebook says, allow the system to find audiences of strong converters that might have been missed if originally excluded. So Facebook's basically saying, don't get too specific with your targeting because their system has gotten a lot smarter. I agree with this in the sense that you want to make sure your audience size isn't too small right? That's very important. And people do a lot of over-targeting, right? They're like, must like this, you know, must like blueberries and strawberries and pineapple <laughs> for me to target them about smoothies, right? right? And sometimes that can just be a little bit of, it, it's just overkill. And it's so much overkill that it doesn't give Facebook a big enough audience size to target. So, you know, we definitely recommend being specific in your targeting in terms of, when you're doing your interest research, make sure that you're targeting blogs and events and softwares and authority figures and you know everybody in your market who's already speaking to the customer that you're wanting to acquire. So make sure that you are specific enough that you're finding the people in that market that are hot right? That actually are qualified to buy your product or service. But you want to make sure that your audience size isn't too small so that you, you know, don't squander your own campaign. Yeah. So the rule of thumb that you use and that we use is typically with a website conversion type of campaign, as well as like a lot of other sort of brand awareness kind of campaigns is that will typically be in the millions, typically in the hundreds of millions, as far as potential reach goes. And you'll actually, you'll see that as you create your targeting inside the ad set level, 
you'll see the estimated daily reach and audience definition on the right-hand side. And as long as you don't put exclusions in there for like some of your custom audiences or maybe people who have visited your website, they will then blank that out and not actually show you what the potential reach is. But I'm looking at one of our Tier 11 ads right now, and we've got a potential reach of 1.3 million which is about right. That's a, that's a good size audience. So can you go larger than that? Yes. Can you go smaller than that? Yes. But I probably wouldn't go too much less than multiple six figures in that audience because otherwise you're just narrowing it too much, especially for the website conversion objective. Yep. Agree 100%. And that's something that I do think Facebook encourages larger audience sizes than what I have found to work. But I do understand once you do have conversion campaign that's working, I've been able to then scale to no targeting because mm-hmm. Facebook knows who that person is. But especially when you're just starting out with a campaign, you want to make sure that you do put time into your research, your targeting research. Yeah, because different audiences are really going to make big differences. I mean, even if they're somewhat related And then the ones that you probably never thought would ever work (laughs) are the ones that work, you know? So definitely test that out on the ad set level for sure, but don't make them too large. At some point, you know, we do aggregate a lot of our best winning ad sets together into larger audiences, grouping them all together. But then also really important, and this is something I think that's overlooked a lot, is that your creatives need to be constantly refreshed. And it's something that when we went to Facebook in Austin about three weeks ago, we had a guy that is running huge campaigns, like multiple million dollar per week campaigns for e-commerce brands. He says he changes out his creatives probably about once or twice a week or every one to two weeks at the bare minimum. So remember, the people that are in those audiences that you're showing your ads to need a constant refresh, need a constant like new way in which to view your product or service, a different hook, a different image, a different ad copy. So if your campaigns are going stale or you stop getting conversions or you stop getting impressions or they sort of trickle off, chances are you haven't been swapping out your ad copy and your creative enough. And I think that's something that Facebook just continuously beats into us whenever we talk to them. And it's the one thing that I think a lot of advertisers take for granted. So for sure, that's another sort of avenue here, which I don't know if they necessarily have it here too much in our list, but we're talking about creative insight over narrowing audiences. So we just figured I'd just go on a, uh, you know, swap out your creative diatribe there, Molly, because it's completely off track. So I love it. <laughs> no, number six is... Um, Create ads to run on all major surfaces. See, I knew there was some kind of tie-in with number six with actual ads. But when they say major surfaces, they were talking about placement optimization and campaign budget optimization. Now, what do you think of both of those and what's been your experience with it so far? So with campaign budget optimization, I've tried it a few times and I understand the concept. I think it's really cool. The issue that I've had is that it's actually throttled my spending. So I'm not sure if they're still improving that feature or if it was just the specific situations that I was in. But the issue I had was that say I wanted to spend a hundred dollars a day, you know, and I had spent a hundred dollars a day easy on these types of campaigns before for each ad set. And then 
trying to use campaign budget optimization, I would spend like $60, you know, in my ad sets. So that was sort of the issue that I had with placement optimization. I usually use placement optimization the first time I'm testing a new offer, or especially if it's a new client to me or a new campaign, just to see if there's something weird or crazy, you know, that's out of the usual with that particular market. But I very quickly am going in to look at and make sure I'm not wasting money on audience network or a placement that doesn't usually work for me. And I'm pretty quick to optimize and turn off placements as a part of my scaling process. Yeah. I mean, I think it's something that you really do have to look at. You go into your reporting inside ads manager and you go into breakdown by delivery and you can see exactly what Molly's talking about. You can go into placement and see which placements are the ones that are carrying the load for you. So to Facebook's credit, they'll say, well, you know, you might not be getting many conversions on audience network, but those people who convert on mobile newsfeed maybe saw your ad on audience network or maybe saw it on, you know, Instagram stories or maybe Instagram didn't convert there. But then when they saw it back in their mobile newsfeed, that's when they converted. So we don't really know that. So at times we will either pair back placements just like what you're talking about. And many times we'll just keep them all running depending on whether or not we're getting our conversions from the placement that's spending the most money. So if you do that analysis and you actually use breakdown and you see placement, the audience network is chewing up 80% of your spend and there's no conversions on it chances are you should probably shut off audience network. That's not what Facebook will tell you, but that's just good business. And we've seen that happen quite a bit, especially with the audience network, because sometimes the traffic isn't that great. Sometimes it is, but it's really dependent upon your offer. Your website experience has a lot to do with it. We actually talked about that today on our agency call, how all these placements are so dependent upon what happens after the click. If the website isn't optimized for mobile or has a really poor mobile experience, a lot of these other placements just aren't going to work. So in that case, you are going to have to pair back and really choose the ones that are converting for you. So every case is different. Once again, Facebook does want to have us use campaign budget optimization. Our results have been eh, 50-50 on that, just like what Molly says. Placement optimization, some accounts great, some others. It's definitely something to test for sure. So number seven, this is a controversial one, I would say. Number seven is if you think different audience segments will have significantly different values per conversion, consider creating separate ad sets for each segment. And that might actually mean, for example, if you're targeting a flex targeting with, I don't know, basketball plus ESPN versus sort of the regular audience for football or like maybe a specific NFL team, whatever it happens to be, maybe different, like the, the new England Patriots audience is like your best audience because they buy a whole lot and they should, by the way, especially Tom Brady shirts. But whereas your more broad audience maybe doesn't buy quite as much. So you should set different optimizations for each one of those ad sets. What's your view on that? Molly? I think this one's confusing because they say audience segments will have significant significantly different value per conversion. So if they are talking about interest, obviously, you know, I don't recommend separating those out at this 
time in where things are with Facebook ads. But if they're talking about like different avatars, for example, like normally I actually create different campaigns for each of my avatars because the copy is so different. The creative so different, right? The targeting so different. So it's good to keep those separated. And yeah, they can widely range in terms of CPA. So if that's what they mean by this, then I totally agree in terms of they say separate out into ad sets. I even separate into different campaigns, you know, like for Panda Planner, one of my clients, I have a campaign for moms, you know, one for entrepreneurs, one for the spiritual audience, just because they're so very different. And yeah, the CPAs there can range by tens of dollars. Yeah. And they even ask about bid cap or manual bidding based upon those different audiences. I think that's where it's a little bit, you know, it's a strange recommendation because they continue to talk about sort of bid cap and lowest cost. And we've tested those strategies, even with different segments like what we're talking about here. We always sort of default back to lowest cost. I know we had talked about this before. You very rarely use any sort of manual bidding. Exactly. I mean, the three different types are lowest cost, target cost, and then lowest cost with bid cap. And at the Facebook Global Partner Summit, they actually said one of the ways in which to overcome the issues that we were having that I was describing with campaign budget optimization is to set your budgets really big, but then throw in lowest cost with bid cap because that will give Facebook more area to learn. We have not tested that as of yet, but something that we do want to test. So much larger budgets, campaign budget optimization, then with a manual bid, because we're trying like hell to make manual bid work, haven't found that it is the best way to do it, especially when we're trying to get the lowest cost per acquisition, we're trying to get the highest return on ad spend, but we will continue to try it here as the algorithm gets smarter and smarter over time. So number eight is exactly that, is apply a bid cap when using lowest cost. Like we just said, this is one we just discussed. Haven't had a whole lot of success on it. So when you read about Facebook and all these bid caps, definitely test them out. You know, make up your own mind. Don't just switch, you know, blindly. We've tested this with millions in ad spend and have found that, you know, lowest cost is the best way to go, at least for our customers. But your ad campaign, your customers, if you're an agency or your business might be a little bit different. So test it out with a small segment of your overall budget. Greed. And then the last two here, number nine, actually number nine is one that we just kind of touched on a little bit more. Placement optimization and campaign budget optimization. Definitely test it out. Depends on your post-click experience. But just because Molly Pittman says the campaign budget optimization doesn't work doesn't mean that it doesn't work. That is so, so true. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm throwing it back to you in case Facebook is listening. So I, you know, I don't know what she's love saying. You Facebook. Yeah, love you, Facebook. <laughs> All right. And number 10, last but not least, and I'm sure you can talk a lot about this one, Molly, is focus on the metrics you care about most. 
seems kind of obvious, but what does that mean? They said, if you're bidding for conversions and your CPA is getting better, but your CPM is going up, there is no reason for concern. And this is so important to keep in mind. You need to make sure that when you launch a campaign, there is one success metric that is more important than all of the other metrics, right? Because if not, your metrics could actually conflict one another and lead you to make bad decisions or think something's wrong, right? And that's why this example from Facebook is so good here. If your CPA is getting better and that's what matters, who cares if your CPM is going up, right? That's just a function of Facebook's algorithm. Care about the CPA. That is your primary metric that you are measuring. You know, you can definitely use secondary metrics like CPM, CPC to troubleshoot or to identify parts of your campaign campaign that may need to be improved, but don't let them distract you, right? I look at that one success metric and if everything is gravy, I keep scaling. I don't even really look at the other ones other than relevance scores. So highly encourage you to focus on the metrics you care about most. Wise words there from the Facebooks. <laughs> yeah. I think a more seasoned media buyer would say, what the hell are they talking about on this one? But it it's actually really true is that we don't use a lot of other metrics aside from the one that we care about the most to measure success. Meaning that we use a lot of the other metrics to diagnose what's wrong with our campaigns. So, and I'm going to direct you guys back to two other episodes where we go into this really in depth, which is episode 161 and 162, where we use things like cost per click, click through rate. We use relevance score as ways to diagnose what we should do when we have problem campaigns that maybe aren't hitting our cost per acquisition or the cost per lead is too high. So both of those episodes, 161 and 162, go back through that if you've got some questions on this. But we still get this to this day. I'll have people ask me, it's like, oh, well, you know, my relevance scores are just so low. And I said, well, what what are they? Well, they're threes and fours. I said, well, what's your goal? What do you care about the most? Well, my cost per lead is great. Like, well, don't worry about those things for right now. I mean, if they're ones and twos and you go in, you check your comments and you're getting all kinds of spam and negative feedback. Yeah, that's cause for concern. But relevant score is a lagging indicator. It's not part of the algorithm. Remember that. Relevant score is not part of the algorithm. It's what the algorithm sort of spits out based upon how your data and how your ad is really running. It's an indicator to say, oh, well, your message is resonating somewhat with this audience or it's resonating a lot, but it's not necessarily in line with your goal. If your goal is conversions, leads, sales, you can have a mediocre relevant score. You can have a you know a mediocre cost per click or CTR doesn't really matter. Yesterday, I had you look in a a campaign that I was running. And the reason was because it flat out sucked. (laughs) My CPA was terrible. I didn't have very many purchases. Everything across the board was really high. Mm -hmm. But if my CPA would have been where I wanted it to, I wouldn't have been concerned with the cost per click. But that became a part of the discussion because it was a part of the way we were trying to diagnose the issue. True, true. And we immediately looked at like, what's your cost per click? And you mentioned it. You're like, these are $4 cost per click. I'm like, that's awful. (laughs) (laughs) 
It was awful. It was awful. But I wouldn't have cared if you were like, oh, well, we're getting tons of sales at exactly the CPA that we want. But, you know, even Molly Pittman gets cost per click of $4. God knows I've gotten them many times that. So anyway, so keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye focused on the stuff that really matters. Don't get caught up in all the other things. You know, at the very least, if you've got something that's a campaign that's hitting your campaign objective, all you need to do is more of that thing. And don't concern yourself with the other things. If your cost per acquisition starts to increase or you stop making money, then go back and look at the metrics and definitely delve into those two episodes that we just mentioned, 161 and 162. We get really in depth here, but I think uh, Facebook is constantly enhancing and trying to inform its advertisers as best as possible to get the best result. And it's really helpful for us to see what Facebook is promoting to the rest of the world, as well as ourselves as high volume advertisers, but also test everything. Sure. And a, you know, a certain percentage of your budget, but let your own data be the thing that really decides how you make your decisions inside your campaign. So, you know, happy to keep sharing this kind of information from our partner manager and from the partner manager program, as well as giving you our insights so you can get better results out of your campaigns as well. Thank you guys so much. This has been a good one, Ralph. Thanks for sharing your learnings from the Partner Summit. And uh, I hope we cleared up some Facebook stuff for you guys today. Facebook stuff. Yeah. So this has been episode 173 of the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. You can go to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast for all the show notes. We'll have a bunch of links that you guys can take a look at and yeah, use all these things as well as links to the other podcasts that we mentioned inside the episode here in 173. So good to have the band back together for a show here, Maul. It's been fun. Agreed. It's been fun. Thank you guys as always for listening and we will see you next week. See ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic, For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. John Moran here. Q1 is closing and it probably didn't go as well as you'd hoped. I'm sure your agency is telling you that they crushed it, but in reality, it probably crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you, or if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what, go to tier11.com forward slash apply. That's tier11.com forward slash apply. And we'll get set up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make agencies look good.